Hello and welcome to Disseminate the Computer Science Research Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Wardby. A quick reminder that if you do enjoy the show, please do consider supporting us through buying your coffee. It really helps us keep making the show. Today, it gives me great pleasure to say I'm going to be joined by Bogdan Stoika, who will be telling us everything we need to know about Waffle, exposing memory ordering bugs efficiently with active delay injection. Bogdan is a PhD student at UChicago. Bogdan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi, Jack. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure's all ours. Let's jump straight in then. So can you tell us more about yourself and maybe how you became interested in systems research? Yeah, so um, before joining a PhD, I actually had a grown-up job as a, as a software engineer, writing software for a, for a company. Imagine that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I, wrote, I wrote a lot of bugs. I, I, was writing, I was writing code with a lot of bugs. And, uh, you know, I've, I've, started, I've, I've, um, I've started by fixing my own bugs first in, you know, in a testing environment. And then I realized that there are bugs in production that users will, uh, users will report. And these were so much difficult to, to, to tackle. And uh, that made me thinking about, well, wait a minute, why, you know, how am I writing the code? Should I should I keep in mind, you know, the user? Should I keep in mind uh, resource constraints? And yeah, that's kind of all started. And I've uh, I've uh, switched a little bit tracks. I was I was doing my uh, bachelor's in at that time in uh, theoretical computer science. And I wanted to do cryptography, but I wasn't that good at number theory. So uh, that that shift has sailed. Um, and um, yeah, so I was I was I. I was interacting a lot with users and with the bugs that I was I was mostly responsible for, uh, and that got me thinking about systems design, about testing, about building tools to help developers sort of reason about their code and what and how it interacts with with the systems that that it runs on. It's funny you say when I before I started my PhD, I was kind of at one point interested in uh, cryptography as well. I'd read some book by Simon Singh, I think it was. I can't remember the title of the book. And it was like the history of cryptography and loads of like cool stories around it. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. But then I kind of had the realization that, yeah, I'm maybe not good enough at number three for this. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was I was reading a lot of books about that. And then I, I went to my first class and, uh, you know, there's just uh, linear algebra for the first few classes. And then the, the professor said, well, okay, so now that we've gone through introduction, to, to the introduction here's a crash course in number theory and i was like wait what <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so so then i was like yeah i'm, I'm just going across the street to the system so os class um... <laughs> cool. right so we're going to be yeah. talking about bugs a lot today i mean i'm also guilty of writing many bugs as well in, in various pieces of code and then having to figure out what the hell i've written and where they all come from. But we're going to be focusing kind of today more on concurrency books, right? So maybe you can tell us more, give some background on concurrency books, concurrency books, right? And why are they so damn hard to, to detect? Right. Um, you know, I've been asking myself the same question and I'll probably keep asking myself why they're so hard to detect until until the end of my career. Yeah, so so just like a some like a high level view concurrency bugs let me see typically occur when two threads access or try to access shared resources and this happens without being properly synchronized the threads that is or or coordinated and this might be you know by 
by design, the developer forgot to add synchronization. I'm certainly guilty of, of making this mistake quite often. Uh, or it might just be an oversight of the, the overall design. Or developers sometimes make, make assumptions for the code that, don't see, that they don't see. I'm, I remember a lot of times I'm, I'm, I was using, early in my career, I was using these uh, standard libraries and never thinking about you know, how a particular algorithm is or, or how a particular API is implemented. To me, it was just like a black box. I was just, you know, hash.add and magically the key was added to the hash. I, I didn't even think about, well, there's thousands, if not tens of thousands of instructions behind that ad. So it's all these assumptions that you make and the lack of synchroniz- synchronization or coordination that create uh, concurrency bugs. Now, why they are hard to detect? Well, timing if if i were to summarize this whole you know the the, the whole <laughs> whole research up up to now into bug finding in terms of concurrency uh bugs it's 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 finding the right timing these these bugs happen unexpectedly because of unexpected interactions and interleave or interleavings of different components of of the program and these unexpected interactions are rare and they need to happen at the well right or wrong time to to create to to trigger a bug and you know you can run a program hundreds of, of uh, thousands of times and never hit that interleaving you can run it in a test environment you can deploy it uh, in production and you know only in rare cases you will find that bug but but when that bug occurs it might be catastrophic it's it's incredibly difficult to detect again because you have to hit that 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 right timing and the right Sequence of operations between threads. That's what I mean by interleaving. And um, yeah, has been the focus of, 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 of many researchers for, for the last three, four, five decades. Decades. I don't know, 1965, I think, is the first time. I, I remember in one of the classes, it's the first time they mentioned concurrency bugs as a, they coined concurrency bugs as a term. Cool. I mean, it's very hard. It's good on a tangent quickly. Yeah. I remember just when I was working on some project for my PhD, like some concurrence control protocol, I had this this nasty concurrency bug in there. And it was so difficult to observe because as soon as I tried to inject any sort of, I don't know, profile in there or any sort of de- debugging, it slowed it down enough such that the uh, the bug didn't care anymore. So like it needed a really sort of tight race, tight timing to kind of to actually to happen. It's so hard to observe. But anyway... That was, uh, it was yeah. like, a, like a month yeah, long exactly. trying to debug it. And it was, oh, it drove me insane. It drove me insane. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, it's cool. So yeah, so we, we've, we've touched on, on concurrency bugs there. But so can maybe you can tell us a little bit more about the various different types of concurrency bugs they actually are. Right. How, how much time do you have? <laughs> there, there's, so, there, there's so many patterns. Um, but I, I would just mention a few uh, that I think they're not, not worthy. I, I would say if if you're you know if you want to tackle uh, concurrency bugs and and and, and uh, doing research in this in this space, uh, you should definitely take a look at at deadlock and non-deadlock bugs. And by deadlock, I mean that you have two threads, and say thread A holds a resource that thread B needs, and thread B holds a resource that thread A uh, needs. So they're kind of blocking each other, right? And that's that's uh, I, I don't remember concrete concrete numbers on top of my head, but that's a, a good chunk of the concurrency bugs out there. And then there are non-deadlock bugs, and these are some of the bugs that the tool or the the paper our paper is 
is uh, is tackling. The paper we're talking about today is tackling, and those also kind of divide and get divided into patterns. Typically, atomicity violations and order violations, and it's all about expectations uh, in in for for these bugs. So, an atomicity violation happens when you have a block of code uh, that should execute atomically. So and but you forgot to synchronize to, to add proper synchronization for it. So another thread could be preempted and could execute the right smack in the middle of that block, assuming that the block is executed by a different thread, of course. And order violations are this type of concurrency bugs where the order of the operation is not the one that is intended. Um, and I, I think maybe, you know, as a concrete example, think about use after free bugs. You know, you expect to, when once you've freed an object, you don't expect it to use it down the line. But if that expectation is breached, uh, that contract is breached, you will end up with an order violation. And order violations are a, are a focus of, of, of our paper. But there, there are so many other patterns in between and so many other great papers to, to read that, that tackle these bugs and, and other pattern th- these patterns and other patterns so it's 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 quite a broad field and yeah you will you know for people that are starting research right now and they want to you know to to dip their uh, uh dip their feet into into this pool uh yeah there's plenty of work plenty of bugs and uh, i i'm pretty sure we won't run off the concurrency bugs <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sure especially when i'm writing code i mean i'm going to keep the supply of bugs yeah. there for a long time but anyway cool. you know that, yeah. that, that, that's why that's why i i i i'm, I'm you know i i've uh, quit my my software engineering job i was i was afraid to to contribute to the problem and i was just <laughs> dedicated myself to to try to atone for my sins and, and fix as many bugs as i can <laughs> nice. Cool. So yeah, so like you said there, we're going to be focusing on the order violation and um, books there, that class of, of, of concurrency books. And um, a technique that can help us here is active delay injection. So can you tell us kind of what it is and like how it works? Right. So active delay injection is, is um, I guess, is, I, would, I would say it's deceptively simple to, to describe and understand. Essentially, it means... It's a technique that uh, allows you to pause threads at strategic times and places in the program, with the end goal to with the goal of forcing possible buggy interleavings and exposing concurrency bugs in in particular. And the nice thing about it is it will report a bug only when it occur as a consequence of the delay. So if you obviously there's some code instrumentation involved, but once you have these uh, probes in place and you delay the threads at particular times and locations and the program behaves in a way that it shouldn't, you know, the technique allows you to get that snapshot of where you, you've uh, paused the threads and for how long, and it g- gives you a blueprint of how to reproduce the bug. Now, having said that, it's in incredibly hard to figure out the times and places uh, you need to inject delays. It's, uh, I, I've, you know, I've deliberately used the word strategic, which is very ambiguous because it's, it, it, it basically depends on the bug. And we'll see later in our discussion what I, what I mean by that. 
But yeah, at the high level, this is it. If once you figure out the, the places where you want to, to delay the threads and, and for how long, you just wait for the bugs to happen. Magic. Magic. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool. So, so kind of in this sort of space with this approach then, kind of what, obviously other than kind of waffle now, what was the sort of the state of the art kind of in this area? And I think it's, I think given credit, it's TSVD, I think that's the, was the sort of, or is one of the state of the art approach, approaches. So can you tell us a little bit more about that and kind of how that goes about answering this sort of strategic question of when to inject things and, and for how long? Right. So there, there are several active delay injection tools uh, that we looked at and they all have their, their trade-offs and, and whatnot. Uh, I won't, I, I'll just mention TSVD because you you mentioned it, and and because uh, TSVD was uh, uh, served as as inspiration for for our work, and 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 TSVD is a tool that tackles a slightly different type of bug. Uh, we are we are looking at order violations. TSVD looks at at the subclass of atomicity violations, and it's a small distinction, that, or uh, at least that's what I thought in the beginning, and. The way it works is it simply identifies uh, a set of APIs that they're obviously not not synchronized APIs in in uh, in standard libraries uh, that are obviously not atomic. And the hypothesis of TSVD is that developers just ignore that uh, or think that uh, you know uh, hashmap.add is an atomic operation, so you can just Executed concurrently with another hash map operation without, without you know, without uh, without any unwanted consequences and side effects. Uh, and turns out, obviously, there are side effects and con- unwanted consequences because these operations are not atomic. And it's uh, surprising; it's find us found a surprisingly large number of bugs just just from from this uh, tiny assumption. And you know, I, I looked at it and said, well, okay, in terms of location, all the APIs that you can find, you know, from you know, all the standard library uh, entry points in, in, in your code, like uh, map, hash map, array, array list, if you're in Java or whatnot, right? Uh, so that doesn't sound too bad. That's doable. I, I can I can tap that. And then in terms of timing, uh, it, it was just, uh, you know, injecting, a fix a fixed delay that that you know was configurable, but uh, the authors figured out that you know a particular I particular number I don't remember it was, was it ten milliseconds or something was good enough to to find uh, a, a lot of bugs, thousands of bugs to to be precise. So you know the 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 location constraints were kind of loose, the timing constraints were kind of loose, and I was like, well, you know, this is great. And not only it's it's easy to for 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 me to you know to, for me to understand. I was just this this is this was actually my first PhD project, but um, it's 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 also easy to re- replicate, uh, or so I thought. So I was boy, I was wrong. Uh, it took it took two two and a half years to get from from those ideas to to. To adapt and tra- translate and adapt those those th- that simplicity into another tool that finds another type of bug that relies on the same, you know, active de- with active delay injection philosophy. I would say, yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, you know, we'll 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 I'll I'll tell you more as as we go along. But suffice to say that 
you know, the state of the art wasn't tackling the exact bugs that, that we were targeting. And that's what made, made, made this tool. And, and it was, it was great at, at, at finding a slightly different type of bug and they finding them in abundance. And we were, we were like, great, let's, let's borrow some ideas and, you know, apply them to, to ordering violations and, and see what happens. And yeah, that, that was two, two and a half years ago. Crikey, Man. fair enough. Yeah. Well, let's, let's dig into it. And so, so why was why was it bad for detecting? I think these are memo order bugs, right? You were trying to apply the apply the tech uh, this technique to. So why was it so bad? Why didn't it work as well? Right, right. Um, so it, it it turns out that they're different. That the two type of bugs have two different properties that that make make all the difference. So, thread safety violations happen when sort of you execute two methods uh, two a- apis in in uh, concurrently and those were not meant to execute concurrently because they're not atomic and they're not synchronized and if you just focus on apis from standard libraries they're not they're, they're few and far far between and as i mentioned in you know i, I mentioned this in, in, in the beginning uh, you don't think you don't typically think when you when you use these standard libraries what what's the implementation behind it, you know, I, or at least I, I I didn't think that much. You just do hashmap.add, and to me that looks like a single, you know, it's easy to make the mistake to think that looks like a single instruction, but there are tens of thousands of instructions behind that 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 one uh, function call and. In order to catch a thread safety violation, you just want to find a, one of the many interleavings where two of these API, the instructions behind these two APIs, execute in execute concurrently. So it's it's uh, it's a looser timing constraint. Now, if you look at order violations, and you know, let's take an example of a use after free bug. What you want to do is execute a particular access to that object after it has been freed. Not during, not close to, it has to be after. Uh, and if it's not after, you don't find the bug. So that's one uh, difference. And the second difference is that whereas for thread safety violations, you know, developers don't, don't overuse these standard libraries. It's mostly standard data structures. They don't you know, you don't see a hashmap.add every five lines of code or, or four lines of, of, of code, right? But uh, order violations, especially when they relate to memory, they can happen between any, they could potentially happen between any two uh, memory accesses uh, if, if one of them is either an allocation or a, or a free operation. So the location space is far, far greater for memorder bugs, at least, well, in our experiments, it was 10 to 100x more. Uh, so you have to, all of a sudden, you have to deal with an order to magnitude more of, of locations where you have to inject delay. And then the timing between these operations is, is more strict. You don't have like a window for an instruction window for a hash.add and an instruction window for uh, hash dot find that you just have to interleave in in any way you please. These are two; they're not two individual instructions, but a small, small, much smaller set of instruction. Like 
a handful of instruction that have to execute after another handful of instruction. And if you don't get that right, you don't see the bug. So DSVD was not calibrated for this type of strictness. It was calibrated for, um, for looser constraints. And it was able to get away with it because, you know, there are just a lot of threat safety violations out there in the world. And yeah, and it's it's doing a pretty good job at finding it. <laughs> <laughs> Just to summarize that, so it's like the on, on one half of things like the actually trying to identify the candidate locations, the, the state space for, for the memo order books is is a lot bigger, right? It's like it's harder to find where to actually put these things. But then on the other side for for when you're actually trying to work out like how long to inject the the delay for or things like that, the, the timing has to be a lot more strict. So you've kind of got two opposite, if I've understood that correctly. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the gist of it. You you have far more injection sites that you have to now consider and deal mm. with, mm. Uh, both in terms of when, you know, where and and when, and for uh, and in terms of overhead, because obviously uh, active delay injection does not come for free. It, it 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 does introduce some 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 overhead. So that's one aspect. And then the second one is, well, for how long are you going to inject that delay? And turn turned out that, you know, just trying to have one value for, you know, to rule them all doesn't actually work. And you, you have to be much more strategic about it because that, that timing constraint for, for ordering bugs, it's so much stricter than, than, than at least threat safety violations and, and many other concurrency bugs, I would say. Cool. So let's let's talk about how we get more strategic and tell us more about Waffle and how it works. And is it an acronym? So like, what what does it stand for if it is an acronym? Uh, no, no, it's 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 uh, it's not an acronym. It's it's actually a funny story. It actually has a funny story behind it. I uh, earlier in my my PhD, I uh, I uh, decided to have uh, you know if if my my PhD work won't would probably not be spectacular or or either read by uh by many people but so so having that in mind i said well that has to have a quirk so i've decided to name all my tools with uh you know starting with the same letter and earlier in my career i worked on another tool that started with a w so then i had to scramble and find uh, a list of names and i do have a list of names my next project will also be a tool that starts with w so there's not an acronym or or any any other logic behind it that just starts with with a particular letter. Okay, cool. Well, my last name's Ward B, right? So that begins with a W. So maybe I can get in your list of possible candidate names for projects. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. I mean, after 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 my current project, I'll definitely consider. I'll add that. To my list. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Congratulations. Okay. So let's let's tell us how Waffle works, and so like, well, how did you go about? Solving these these problems that you found with the TS, uh, TSVD and right. So we what we did initially was to to like I said, TSVD is a great tool that we wanted to replicate its its end result, finding uh, many many bugs uh, with minimal adaptation. And I spent many months trying to do that and figuring out what to tweak and what not to tweak. But it turns out it's not just about tweaking. It's it's about the underlying assumptions that TSVD makes and the way active delay injection works. So at the end of these uh, several months, un- unfruitful several months, uh, we took a step back and, and looked at 
what's the how at a conceptual level how does active delay injection works and uh, work and it turns out that you can decompose active delay injection into or deconstruct active delay injection into four design points where you can have uh, various trade-offs and once we we started looking at active delay injection in that way. We started seeing the trade-offs that that TSVD was making, but also other tools that were making. So we knew that this was uh, this is right characterization of 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 uh, of this of this technique. And once we had these design points, the next step was to figure out how do we adapt them to match the properties of memorder bugs. So it was actually a two-pronged process identifying these key knobs and then trying to adopt, adapt it at, to the properties of the bug that, that we're targeting. And, and in a sense, our paper became so much more about this journey rather than the end result and, and you know, finding a few dozen bugs uh, of a particular type. Nice. So, so like, how did you go about like implementing Waffle? So like, there's this journey you went on. So I guess you, you go through multiple iterations of it, and maybe you could kind of tell us more about that journey a little bit and and how it was. How right. did you implement it? I guess as well, like, it's kind of fall back into there as well. Yeah. So once we identify these uh, uh, these four four design points, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll just maybe it's worthwhile to just go quickly through them and. Uh, I know the the audience can read the details in the in, in the paper, but it it essentially breaks down into it, it breaks down to 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 uh, how much let's say how much overhead you're willing to to spend in your analysis and how fast you want to get the bucks. So if you think of these two as as two you know two constraints on as two dimensions, you can easily uh, put. Uh, all the tools that that do delay injection on on this axis, and there are a few design points that you can tweak here. You could do a lot of synchronization analysis in the beginning to narrow down the set of locations where you have to inject delay, and and essentially pruning out any locate any pair of of, of instructions that uh, that are synchronized, because there's no if you try to inject delay to force the order a different ordering for pairs that are for pairs of instructions that are synchronized you, you will not be able to do that so one design decision was how much synchronization analysis are you willing to to pay and there are various trade-offs you can read them in the in in the paper and then the 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 second one the second design sort of design choice here is once you're doing once you do this synchronization you could already once you find a few locations you can already start injecting delays or you can just do your synchronization analysis spit out a set of locations where you want to inject and then do the the injection and this affects the number of times you have to run a program to find the bugs obviously if you start injecting at the next immediate next opportunity, at least in theory, you could find bugs faster. But this creates all sorts of other problems because these synchronization analysis, they're sensitive of, you know, anything that happens 
in in the execution, including the fact that you're slightly perturbing the execution, and that can confuse the the, the analysis itself or make it not work. So, you know, that's 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 another trade off. And and by the way, all these trade offs, uh, there are actually more or less different implementations of of Waffle. So you actually went through the process of not only identifying these these design points, but but also producing a version of Waffle that takes takes a left and then takes a right and then comparing the the results. Right. And 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 once you've nailed that down, how much synchronization analysis you want to do and whether or not you want to start injecting early or you want to wait for for that analysis to finish, uh, these and some of these analysis take a lot of time, then it becomes a question of how how long are you going to delay a a thread at that particular location? And yeah, that's that's a huge space. I won't get into it. We just scratched the surface there, and we're lucky to find to find a a, a strategy that worked for mem order bugs. Uh, might not work for full disclosure. Might not work for other types of concurrency bugs. Yeah, and uh, and finally, um, you know, once you start injecting delays in in a system, you're perturbing the execution. So as as you mentioned at the beginning, you're trying to debug this uh, this concurrency bugs bug that you that 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 you had in your program, and you put it through a debugger, and that started to slow down some of the threads, which made the program pro- problem go away. Well, this is exactly what what's happening when you use active delay injection. You could could potentially slow down some threads and make some bugs go away. So you have to be strategic about uh, when you're going to inject the delay and when you're going to say, well, uh-uh, no, I'm I'm not going to inject delay here. I mean, I'm going to wait a little bit and and I'm, you know, and let the other delays play out and, and see what happens. And anyway, you can you can read about all of these in the paper. Uh, they're great details and 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 we explain how TSVD approaches uh, or or uh, skips over some of these decisions because they don't make sense for thread safety violations, but they they so they make so much sense for 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 memory bugs. And uh, you asked me about the implementation. Basically, this is it. We we took all these the, these major uh, these key design points and and implemented the version of of our tool that takes makes one trade off or or the other, and then we evaluated how well it it does. Not in terms of how many bugs it finds but rather in terms of why it doesn't find a particular bug. And this is, was, this is one of the, the most interesting lessons that I've, that I've learned in this project is sometimes you would think about the metric of success being the number of bugs your, 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 your strategy finds. But in this case, the metric of success were, were well, wait a minute, I, I know there's a bug here somewhere. I, I vaguely know the ordering and interleaving why is my tool not finding it what's the root cause and and it's 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 ironic in a sense uh we we were debugging our own debugging tool how about that i don't know if that you know answers uh, answers your question or you're talking more about you know the coding details but i'm i'm happy to get into that as well no that that, that answers the question really well on on the kind of the implementation on the coding side of things i guess like what was the reason for having to do a separate complete implementation for each one rather than having kind of uh, one tool that is sort of like parameterized basically in different directions. Like, okay, like having like, I don't know, set this to this for this run basically. Or why did it have to be separate implementations? Well, because some of these decisions are are not actually in parameters or, or values. They're, they're entire different algorithms. 
Um, the only parameter in all these design points is the the uh, delay, uh, the value of the delay, uh, okay. or yeah. the amount of the delay. Uh, the rest of the things are are, are are entire algorithms. For example, we looked at we we looked at implementing a uh, vector clock based synchronization analysis, uh, but that's not the only synchronization analysis that you that that you can implement. It's just the one that uh, I was more familiar with, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I could I could code quickly. But that was that was a totally separate algorithm. Or when when you're you know, you, you've done all the analysis, you identified all the locations, you were lucky enough to identify how how much delay to inject at each location or even, you know, in, in which context. Then the question becomes, how do you reduce the noise? Because now you've introduced noise in your system and you might, uh, in your execution, you might uh, miss some of the bugs. When when you, this, this injection, I might not have mentioned this, but this injection happens at runtime. Uh, I guess it was obvious from the description, but just making sure. I, I think it was obvious because I, I'm so invested in this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but probably not. But probably wasn't obvious, right? So, so this injection happens while the program runs, and uh, any perturbance will uh, will is much more likely to hide bugs than 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 expose bugs, uh, expose concurrency bugs. And there are many strategies to deal with with this interference, and we implemented a few. Uh, some of them were were as easy as uh, flipping coins, so doing some probabilistic injection. Uh, others were were a little bit more, we had to be a little bit more deliberate and strategic. And what where we ended up for this particular design point is a combination of three different strategies tied together with a rope and uh, whew, it worked. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's why we had to build different implementations. And, and we had to make sure that that's the right, right choice for mem order box. Because we're going to write that in a paper, and reviewers are pretty good at at identifying weaknesses. So, so we had to, we had to, to, yeah, no, I mean uh, that that's part of it. But, but, but I also wanted to understand why it didn't work. I, I think so halfway through this project, I had this idea that we can we can actually have a taxonomy for all the active delay injection tools. We can kind of describe them in this. You know, by by looking at these four key design points and explain away the trade-offs in a in a in a systematic way, not just oh, you know, I, I you know, these these are the parameters that work. I, I don't know why they work, but they work. And find a few dozen bugs. I'm going to write a paper. And in a way, we we kind of hope that we gave a recipe to to navigate this 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 active delay injection space. So that's why I I. We wanted to be deliberate and and really understand uh, some of these trade offs, and uh, yeah, for that reason, we needed different tools to run on different uh, sets of benchmarks and 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 data sets and uh, compare results and try to make inferences. Nice. Yeah. On the on the results, so you mentioned an interesting point earlier on where it's like you weren't interested in the kind of the the absolute number of of books you found, but more in the case of I know there's a book there. Did this tool find it? And kind of the specificity of the of the tool. I think that's quite specificity. I like the false. What was it trying to minimize false negatives? Right? Are they getting mixed range? Right. Which, which which way around it is? But yeah, yeah. So tell, can you tell us more about your experiments then, and sort of what those look like and what your findings were. So when you know you read all this analysis and 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 you look at all the 
the the design has been has been put in, and you end up in the evaluation section, and we we find uh, eighteen bucks, and you know depending on where you stand, you could say well eighteen eighty eighty uh, eighteen bucks, uh, it's uh, it's great because these concurrency bugs are are very difficult to find, and some of the I would say most of these concurrency bugs that we we um, that our tool exposes have been in the in those repositories for months, if not years. Or you can say, well, wait a minute, all this analysis for eighteen bugs—it's kind of underwhelming. Uh, I, you know, I don't know where I stand. I, you know, as as the as the, the the main driver of this project, I'm kind of in between. But you know, having said that, I, um, I, as you mentioned, I think the the more interesting result of of our paper is not, or the takeaway message is not the number of bugs per se, but the fact that it finds them so deliberately, and you can explain away why it finds a particular bug if you pick one from our data set, and you can actually explain why. It, it finds that bug in terms of uh, in terms of these uh, uh, design decisions that we and tweaks that that we made. But you know, you asked about the experimental setup. We uh, ran we we selected eleven C sharp uh, open source projects that have been widely used uh, and have many stars on GitHub. And we uh, we deliberately looked at open source software because we also wanted to understand ourselves why a bug is occurring to see if more more or less to understand why our tool is not finding it. And for that, we need access to code. And then um, there were some concurrency bugs that were already uh, patched uh, after, you know, many, uh, many months in the, in these, uh, in these repositories. Some of them had small uh, unit tests that were attempting to reproduce the, the issue and uh, make sure there's no regressions there. But obviously, since this is a currency bug and you have to hit the timing right, you had to run the test for hundreds of times. We couldn't, essentially, we couldn't reproduce anything. But we ran our tool on these known bugs. And within two, uh, within within a short span of time and just, re, uh, just you know, executing the pr- program twice, we were able to find all of them. And we're, we'll be able to find all of them with tests that were in the data set at the time the bug was introduced. So tests that weren't necessarily designed to find the bug, were, were just in that particular bug, were, were totally oblivious. They were designed to test something else. We were able to use active delay injection to, and, and the test suite to our advantage. And, 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 and our tool was finding the right interlink, the right timings. So that test would fail and expose that particular bug. And that I, I, I find that uh, I, I found that really fascinating because essentially what it all points out to is, well, if, if only those developers would had our tool when they were, when they were doing in-house testing, they would, they would have, they would have caught these bugs. And we also found six bugs that were new uh, they were unreported and that the, they were, you know, the, the two of the two offending operations were quite, quite a ways away from each other in terms of, you know, if execution, uh, uh, you know, if you think in terms of, uh, in terms of milliseconds, actually one of them was, was, was seconds apart. So there was almost uh, impossible to simply expose it by 
you know, running your, your, your test suite and uh, hoping you hit the right timing at some point. So, so yeah, the, the interesting, the, the, the interesting thing that we, we discovered while, you know, doing this, making, building this tool so deliberately is that it, it actually uh, finds, finds the, the interleaving and the timing uh, in, in a very short amount of time. And it finds it and it makes it in, it makes it deterministic in a sense it gives the developer the 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 places where where you inject and the actual values the the actual delay values and uh, developers can then go back and replay what our tool is telling them and they can reproduce the bug over and over again in a deterministic fashion as opposed to you know without using our tool they just run the test suite and hope for the best yeah, you're flying blind, um, right? Without the tool, you really yeah. sort of like you've got nothing there. The tool, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if you had much interaction with the developers of the in these set of, of these behind these repos, whether they actually were like, "Wow, we wish we had this tool." Did you get any feedback from them in that sense? Like, we we tried, you know, but the but uh, we reported obviously we reported the bug, and some of them were fixed uh, silently. Some of them were fixed, you know, by acknowledging. We uh, we didn't actively try to pitch our tool. But uh, we did build our tool uh, so that it, it uses all this, you know, strategies uh, without without much manual intervention. So the 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 the, the high level, and probably I should have mentioned this in the beginning, that the kind of the high level idea of our tool is to run without without the, the developer knowing is is there. Essentially, if you think about the development process as you write code and then you ship your code to a build server, it builds and runs some daily tests and then, you know, it, it commits and ships to production. Uh, our tool is meant to set, sit, sit on that build server. And whenever you run the test, the tests, you, you run it with our, without our tool and then with our tool trying to figure out, you know, finding these, this tight timing and interleaving constraints. So, the developer doesn't have to know anything about about this this extra layer of of protection that that we built and we we didn't try to actively pitch this but we did try to reach out to a few uh development teams uh without without any luck so far but we're still pressing you know you never know now the code is open source people you never know awesome so let, let, let's change it for a second look at it from the other uh, other angle so like what are the limitations here then of, of Waffle? It sounds great. And it sounds like a almost like a free lunch. But what are the what are the sort of the downsides or the, the 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 scenarios in which it's kind of suboptimal? There there are few there are few there 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 are few limitations that that we we observe. And well, one one limitation which was obvious before building the tool is the one of the design decisions before building the tool is that we don't want to burden developers to write tests for finding specific tests for finding these concurrency bugs. And our sort of goal was to say, well, you know, whatever tests they they put in the repo, we're going to repurpose them and force them to find uh, bugs. So our bug finding results in a way as a, as a first order approximation are as good as the test suite that, that, that is, that ships with the, with the software is. So if, you don't have tests covering a particular piece of code that might harbor a bug. We won't catch that bug. So that's that's a limitation. But that's a limitation that all of these 
active delay injection tools have, including TSVD, or, or at least debugging tools that rely on, on, ex, on pre-existing tests. Having said that, more, more limitations um, specific to, to, to Waffle are related to the abundance of injection sites uh, that, we ha- that, that Waffle has to deal with. Uh, and what I mean by that is, is simply this. If you have few locations in the program where, where these mem order bugs can occur, it's so much easier for Waffle to find these, these bugs. And while you have more and more and more and more locations, it makes it a tad more difficult for Waffle to, to find these bugs. And, and the reason is that it has to inject more delays and injecting more delays introduces more noise. And as you mentioned in the beginning, more noise usually doesn't help. It, it just makes the, it just hides the bug better. So we, uh, we haven't found uh, um, an antidote to, 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 to this noise. Hopefully people that pick, pick our, pick our paper and uh, pick up, you know, where we left off might, might do a better job, but, you know, if you increase the number of injection sites, our tool will have, will find bugs, but it will take longer and will have a, a more difficult time. And you might have to tweak a little bit. Uh, so I, I, I would say that's the, that's the major limitation. And, and again, it's, it's a trade-off that we made. It's, uh, it's something we, we sort of figured out early and we said, well, you know, um, it's, it's all about, the number it's 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 all about how much overhead you're willing to spend to get rid of that noise versus how fast you want the tool to 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 find the bug and, and report the bug. You know, if you can wait weeks, then I, I could probably write an algorithm that that denoises everything, right? Yeah. yeah. But if you only have a couple of hours, you know, trade-offs. Trade-offs. It's all about trade-offs. <laughs> it is. Yes, this paper is all about trade-offs. We can, you know, when you ask me what's this paper about, we can we could have just ended the discussion there. Just, uh, <laughs> trade-offs. trade-offs yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> cool. So where do you go next in from here then? So what, what's next on the research agenda for Waffle? So, it, um, you know, trying to build such a tool and compare it with state-of-the-art is a difficult un- undertaking. Comparing with a state of the art that finds thousands of bugs, it's even more challenging to to navigate and and at least get get you know not only get it past reviews and and scrutiny and whatnot, but get it past our own you know scrutiny and whether or not we think this is uh, this is ready to um, to be unleashed upon the world. But so so having you know so having said that, there is. One important lesson that we we learn from from this journey is that there are two worthwhile ideas to to follow up here. Uh, one of them is this broader family of in techniques that attempt to inject faults, and we can argue that delays is a sort of a fault are are great at at finding not only finding bugs, but giving you a way to replicate the bug, which is something that is extremely useful. I would venture to say many of the the experimental code analysis tools are not used in production because they don't offer this 
determinism. They don't allow the developer to say, well, okay, run this tool once. I, I want to run it this, uh, again, or I want to replicate the conditions and I want to get the same result. And actually, fault injection, uh, delay injection and fault injection more broadly gives you this. So that's a worthwhile uh, uh, idea to pursue. And, and the second idea that kind of spinned off from, from this project is the idea of, you know, reusing existing tests as opposed to either synthesizing or having, or or worse, having developers write tests for their own bugs. Uh, Because if they can write tests to to find their own bugs, why would they use their tool, right? Um, So what's next for Waffle is that uh, there'll probably not be a SQL, but what we're working now is a tool that incorporates many uh, insights and ideas that we used in building Waffle. And in particular, this this idea of injecting faults strategically and deliberately, and the idea of, you know, having a tool that is essentially push button. You don't have to write tests. You don't even know it's there. It's reusing the tests you already written, and it's repurposing them to find a particular type of bug. And yeah, of course, what comes with this is the fact that and I guess this is uh, the bigger takeaway of our paper. You know, whatever technique you're using, uh, there are all these trade-offs. And the way to approach these trade-offs is to first figure out the properties of the bug you're targeting and then have the trade-offs match the properties. And that's the path of least resistance when, when, building, uh, when building this code analysis and debugging tools. Nice. I, I just like to kind of, there's, there's a few questions that I've kind of, I have sketched down here, but I feel like you've answered kind of a few of them at various different points. So I'll, I'll kind of skip those. And, and I want to jump straight into how you actually go about like generating these ideas. Like what's your creative process like? And how do you then say, okay, this is like the thing I want to work on for the next two and a half years or whatever, because it's quite a large undertaking, right? When you pick a project. So yeah, how do you go about, I guess, one, generating ideas and two, then selecting what to work on? That's actually an interesting and hard question. Um, I, 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 I think uh, early in my career, I was, um, I was uh, reading a lot of, or, or my approach was reading a lot of research papers and trying to find a, a gap in the, or, or a limitation and jump, jump on it, which is not inherently bad. Uh, I, I definitely recommend people, you know, or, or, or especially students that are just starting their PhD to, to definitely do that. Reading papers, it's really important. But that's kind of a, a drunken sailor strategy. You know, um, you jump from one limitation to another. Um, they might not correlate with each other. They might not be in the same family. They might require totally different techniques. Uh, and there might not be, you know, worse still, they might not be worthwhile. Pursuing, there might be a, a limitation that you know you're not going to solve uh, anytime soon, and uh, it might be crowded, a crowded space. So I, I kind of moved away from. So that was kind of in the beginning, and it helped me a lot to to ground myself in this space of code analysis space. I would say to know the techniques, to know the the papers, the groups that work on, and what you know various approaches. But I kind of moved away from reading research papers to uh, or moving back, I would say, from from uh, reading papers to reading bug reports. And it sounds counterintuitive, but I cannot stress this enough. In order to 
to build code analysis tools or 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 select a a particular problem to work with. Nowadays, I I just go and read uh, bug reports, and I do have a vague idea of the type of bug that I want to 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 tackle next, right? Like uh, order violations, which is generic enough. And then I, I I go and read a bunch of bug reports to try to figure out why they happened. Is there a pattern there? Is there some signal? Is there some signal in how they occur? Is there a signal in how they're fixed? Uh, are they fixed? Are they ignored? Some concurrency bugs are ignored. Uh, they're, you know, they're not that they don't affect the software in in a in in a way which elicits fixing them. Right? It's sometimes it's more expensive to fix them, in terms of overheads and and efficiency and perform overall performance end to end performance than um, you know than than not fixing them. So that's how I go about. I I kind of have a vague idea of my next bug. Usually it's preempted by by the by the previous paper that I was writing or previous tool that I was working on. Uh, some of them are my own bugs, like I said in the beginning, trying to atone for my sins. Uh, and then go read read a lot of bug reports to to try to extract some some patterns. And uh, yeah, doing this you can do this automatically, of course. But uh, where's the fun in that? Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you um, you have to do this kind of manual work and go and read the code and 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 figure out for yourself and explain to yourself why the bug happened. And you do that for a few dozen bugs. And uh, usually, at least for me, I, I I see a trend and I jump on it. And then I spend two and a half years building the tool. <laughs> Amazing. That's a great. <laughs> that's a great answer to that question, Cole. Well, we're we're, at, we're um. Time for the the last the last word now, Bogdan. So, like, what's the the one takeaway you want the listener to get from this this podcast today? Debugging is hard, uh, so don't don't beat yourself up um, if you if you have bugs and you cannot find them. Uh, and uh, using using code analysis tools is also it's also difficult. But have patience. Many of our ex- are experimental. Uh, many of these tools are written by PhD students. So I guess in a sense, for, for the listeners that want to do research in this space, it's, it's, it's rewarding in the end. It, it's frustrating. The road, the road, to, the, the road ahead is, is uncertain, might seem uncertain, but, but, the, but the end goal is, is rewarding. Uh, and there is nothing more satisfying than having your tool find bugs that have been in a code base for months or years and having the, those bugs fixed. And for those listeners that want to use tools, I mean, I would say be a little bit more patient. Uh, these Most of these tools are experimental. Some of them, I, I, I totally agree, they're clunky to use. But I think, and especially for, for those listeners that are software engineers and, you know, they're practitioners, I think Academia would benefit so much more from a tighter collaboration between the between the two. And you mentioned, and you you asked me at some point if we tried to have developers use Waffle, we would we would have liked to have to work with 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 a with with a few developers that that would use it and give the give give us the feedback, and we could have could have improved it. But uh, you know. Still waiting. There's not, you know, uh, there's still time, but that's kind of the 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 two two takeaways. Don't don't be afraid to to work on the space because it's incredibly rewarding when you fix bugs. And it's a worthwhile effort. There are a lot of bugs out there, and somebody should fix them. 
and uh, and yeah for for practitioners please use our tools even if sometimes they're clunky uh we would we would appreciate the feedback